Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, welcome everybody to Baseball America Facebook Live. I'm John Manuel along with Kyle Glazer and J.J. Cooper. Thank you for tuning in. Our Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism, the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Visit Baseballism.com and shop for hats, shirts, and more today. That's Baseballism.com. We thank them for sponsoring us uh, really all year long here in 2017. I've enjoyed that partnership, and uh, I've enjoyed the Joe Boo shirt. Not as much as Joe Boo enjoys the rum, but I've enjoyed the shirt. And guys, uh, you know, speaking of nothing appropriate to Joe Boo, uh, we have our best tools. We have our Albert Pujols cover on the latest issue of Baseball America magazine. Uh, proud of how the magazine looks in this redesign. We'll always take your thoughts. You can email me at johnmanuel at baseballamerica.com about the print edition of the magazine, but we've released a lot online today uh, with regard to that issue. And two features jump out that we'll talk about here. The Pujols issue uh, feature that we did on Albert Pujols and being like an all-time great. And uh, and our best tools issue, our annual feature. And the best tools actually has become like annually where we highlight a player who's become a historic player last year, each row, this year, Albert Pujols. And, And Jose Altuve, JJ, is getting to be a historic player. Um, he is on his way to 3,000 hits if yes. he stays on this pace. Last year, Kyle wrote about him, and I was like, you can't call him a future Hall of Famer. And now I'm on that track, Kyle, so you you were prescient there. But he came in second in best hitter in the American League to Mike Trout. I'll ask both of you guys, but I'll start with J.J. by seniority and hat. Um, I think Jose Altuve just graded the hit tool. I think he has to grade out higher than Mike Trout. I think just pure bat-to-ball skills. He came in second in our best tool survey. I think he's first, and that is crazy. And how, how would you score that, oh, Altuve versus Trout? I think you have to. I mean, it, just from the standpoint of, now the, the fascinating thing with this is if you say, is he the best hitter in baseball, then you get into, okay, well, what do you exactly mean by the hit tool? Because crazy enough, in 2017, the hit tool grade, it doesn't mean that you don't incorporate all of it. But it still is tied to batting average, not on base percentage. Because right. From a scouting scale point of view. Because if you said overall and you think of it as hitting and on base, which are not the same. I mean, they're, they're, they're complementary. They fit together. But they're not all the same thing. Then you could maybe make a Joey Votto over Jose Altuve argument if you're talking the, the entire major leagues. And Joey Votto won National League best hitter. So you know, that's we didn't ask people... Altuve versus right. Votto, we did just ask but, basically Altuve versus Trout. But, and but Altuve, Altuve, Altuve right now, pure hit, greater than Trout to me. The guy who's won three batting, oh, he's won two batting titles the last three years and on his way to a fourth, hitting 364 as of this moment. There are two of the all time greats. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for me to ever say Mike Trout is second when he's still a guy who's putting up 300 averages, 400 on base percentages, and the one hole he had in his swing younger in his career, you could pitch him up, he's closed it. So when you talk about a guy from a pure hit perspective, to me, that means, is there a hole anywhere in his swing? Is there a pitch he cannot get to? And the answer for Mike Trout is no. And I think overall, look, we're talking about two guys who are going to go into the Hall of Fame that are still in their mid-20s that everyone out there should appreciate to love and watch. I'm not going to get... But you got to pick one. To me, give, give me Trout, and that's not to disrespect Altuve. To me, just all everything Trout can do at the plate for you, top to bottom from you know pitch recognition, no hole in the swing, the easy power to all fields, to me, I, give me Mike Trout. 
It is amazing to me that Mike Trout's hitting 346, and this is the best year statistically he's ever had. And it's crazy to see the best player of our generation take it to a second level, which he's, I don't even know what second, it's, it's, it's infinity level, it feels like. And he's not going to win a batting title. Even, he, you know, he, he missed time. With he the might. Don't put, it, don't put it past him. He's 18 him. points behind the guy with two I, months left. I do put it past him. I, I, I'm just saying. I put it past him. I, I, I agree he's got an uphill climb, but you never know what can happen. Hey, Altuve has to cool down. No one can hit 480 for the entire second half of the season. One would imagine. And the, the Angels, a uh, middling 500 team, they do have another uh, runaway winner in the best tools. And I've seen some buzz out there. I thought we'd talk a little bit about Angleton Simmons before we move on from best tools. First of all, the Anderson Simmons trade looking very bad for the Braves. Yes. Second of all, uh, Anderson Simmons did not win best infield arm. Manny Machado did, which Manny Machado does have a longer throw to make when he goes into foul territory at third base, and he makes that play more routinely and more casually than anyone I've ever seen at third base. But Simmons over in this golden age kind of of shortstops, still winning best defensive shortstop. It does feel, though, Kyle, that he, his defense is acknowledged more when he's perfectly cromulent offensively he's having his best offensive season this year. Well, I think it's one of those things when a guy is the all-around player, you know, a guy who's a great shortstop, but he's hitting ninth, hitting 220. I mean, did Brendan Ryan get a lot of love? No. And defense, right. I think he was great. I think it's the overall package of this guy is an incredible player, is always more valuable than this guy has one incredible skill. And with Andleton Simmons, when the Angels acquired him, at the time, it looked like a pretty hefty haul. You had Sean Newcomb, you had Chris Ellis, you had Eric Ibar still coming off of all-star caliber years, and the Angels threw in cash. And the whole thing was, with Andleton Simmons, that deal was going to be worth it if he was able to hit. He hadn't hit the year before, but he'd hit the year before that. And now you're seeing him hit to level he is. All of a sudden, it's not, oh, he's a great defender. It's He's a great player right. and kind of a stealth MVP candidate now. Some people are pumping that up more than I would, but this is a guy that if you were to list who are the 10 to 20 most skilled overall players in baseball, the combination of what he can do for you defensively at shortstop with the offense he provides, he's on that list. Not for me. That's a, that's a lofty level. His offense is not consistent enough to put him at that level yet. Top, I believe in 20, the bat. Top 25-ish? No. I mean, like this is the best year he's had as an offensive player by far, since his rookie year. So it's the first 100-plus OPS of his career. So I'm not ready to put him there yet. He's 27. I've always believed in the power. Saw it. We, JJ and I probably, it wasn't a Facebook Live, but probably a B today, but he probably stood over here in this makeshift studio and talked about his great power with the World Baseball Classic. But this is the first time he's been an above-average offensive player. So I'm not ready to go there to join you in that regard yet. So uh, I don't know, JJ, what your thoughts are on, on Anderson Simmons I, to that level. Not, he's not to that level, but at the same time, he is, when you say MVP candidate, he's not going to win the MVP. I would put him at a one in a thousand shot. Oh, I agree. He's, winning he's MVP, not going to win. He but that he is going to be on, especially because the reality is, is he's not even, he's going to get the second most votes on his team because yes, we do we have agreed a, you know, Mike Trout and they're not going to get, and there's going to be dinged on votes because the Angels are not going to be a team. They get the they get a negative penalty for you get less votes if your team's not very good, you know, and that that's going to hurt him too. Generally, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you have that in there, but I do think he is absolutely. If you're saying I'm filling out a ballot and there's ten guys on the ballot, you 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 do have to look hard at you know it's Anderson Simmons one of those names on the ballot, and I think right now he's had the season where you say the offense that he's produced this year combined with the defense. Yeah, I mean now. There's several years where he's had, I mean, he had a seven-war season one year, with, uh, according to baseball reference, with 
five war defensively, and that's you know right. that's a that's significant. He did that once. He's been a three four war player other years. He's having a great year this year. But the top players in the game are not four war players. Well, and, and I, or the top twenty, they're like six war players, five war and players. And I think that's where when, been I, when I said I'm saying what he's doing now. Yes, yeah, and, I, and I, you're right. Over a five season span, and maybe I should. I want to see. I just want to see three years. And, and that's I fair. I want to see two. And, and that's fair. I'm saying, but in terms of what he's doing right now, the combination. He's having a top defense, twenty-five year right now. That, yes. That's what. That's what I was more referring to. Yeah, yeah. he's having a, and, and it's just good to see him have this offensive season. I think we expected. He would have been the Curacao and shortstop to do this before D.D. Gregorius, but D.D. Gregorius kind of beat him to it last year and has been a more consistent offensive player, J.J. And I think when he was coming up in the red system, you and I, I remember talking to people in the Southern League who were like, if you squint, you see some power in there. People thought he was like a seven-hole hitter. If he was going to be a regular, he's been way better than that. Nowadays, I really do struggle with when you say a guy's power, yeah, who's not going to hit for power? Right, days, because it, it, it does yeah. feel like it's like congratulations, you've been you've graduated to the big leagues. Hey, by the way, when you do that, we're now going to give you here's 15 home run power. I think with Didi Gregorius, you know, you can say a lot. Some of it is Yankee Stadium being able to hit a lot of his home runs left handed and he's improved hitting from that side. The guy for me that's the ultimate of that is actually Chris Taylor. This is a guy who playing in high desert yeah. was uh, I believe six, right. six or seven home runs. Like if you watch Chris Taylor. Coming up through the minor leagues, and even his first in the majors, it's like, you know, it's kind of that high socked, middle infield, gritty guy. You know, you know, maybe he'll pop three or four bombs off the bench for you. Playing at Dodger Stadium now, he's on pace for almost a twenty home run season. I think an eight fifty OPS. Most he's productive left year. fielder in the National League. Right. I mean, so you know, it kind I of mean, you know, like, that. That's the most stunning statement I'll say. You know, it, it goes yeah. back. You know, we talked I think last time about you know Ahmed Rosario, how much pop is in there, right. and we talked about. You know, there's some out there who think there might be 18 to 22 home runs in there. You say, well, he never did that in Vegas. In an age when Chris Taylor is hitting 20 bombs. This is true. You know, know, at Dodger Stadium, Chris Taylor isn't doing this playing, you know, in Coors Field. I mean, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy. I gave you a hard time about Ahmed Rosario's power now. Now now you've got me uh, thinking uh, double about that one. Rethinking uh, my doubting of Ahmed Rosario's power. Ahmed Rosario still counts as a prospect. He hasn't exhausted his rookie eligibility yet. Uh, so he counts on our Mets prospect rankings, but we did organization talent rankings last week online. I hadn't talked about that on the Facebook Live, so we wanted to shift gears there. And guys, uh, I know, J.J., you spearheaded this, but Kyle, obviously, you were involved. I remember you and J.J. going in there and meeting about this. Braves-White Sox at 1-2. How hard of a choice was that? I mean, J.J., you first, but Kyle, you guys discuss how difficult of a, of a choice was it between the Braves, uh, who were our number one system coming in, and the White Sox, who are newly armed and newly dangerous. The, the, the Braves-White Sox really is kind of like the Mike Trout-Jose Altuve MVP race, where it's like, you know, the Braves started with a massive lead, and then the White Sox are coming up. The White Sox did run past the trade deadline now, so I, I think it's a little harder now for them to catch up more. But, no, it's a, it is a great debate nowadays, and that is absolutely credit to the White Sox, you know, for the, for the fact that, they have come this far, this quickly. I still, to me, your edges for the Braves come down to, and let's be honest, Bacana's going to graduate. The Braves are going to move further ahead probably because Ronald Acuna at this point, I'd say, is unlikely to graduate, whereas Yoan Mankata is almost assured to graduate. So the, the White Sox are going to lose the guy who's currently our number one prospect before the, when, when the year ends and we do our, our overall of ones we put in the handbook and all that. But... The White Sox depth 
is incredibly improved. If you make this many trades, it sure helps. Their 10 to 20, I think now, compares very favorably. Very can, You can consider it very much on par with what the Braves have, 10 to 20. Kyle, the, the thing to me is, is that when you go beyond that, which we usually don't have to dig too deep into the 30s and 40s, but when it gets this close, you do. I still think the Braves have more than the, uh, than the White Sox do. Would you get the deeper you get into the system? You know, it's interesting for me, and some of this is inherently subjective, though we do try and, and you know, boil it down. I think that the Braves are better 20 through 30. I actually kind of like the White Sox 11 through 20 better. I'll take Jake Berger, you know, a guy, guys like Jake Berger and, and Gavin Sheets over, if you're assuming those are the power guys, over you know, Dustin Peterson and Rio Ruiz, kind of those hitters in that 11 to 20. See, I think Rio Ruiz and Dustin Peterson at this point maybe in the 20 to 30 for them. And and, hmm. and that's where some of it is, We you know, once we get the full season's reports, how each of these guys has progressed, I think we'll have a fuller picture of it as we move into next season. But for me, I... Look, it's a close call. I think what's funny out there is certain each fan base on social media is saying, we're clearly number one. In neither case, is it a clear-cut, no questions asked, Braves, White Sox? I think you probably give the edge to the Braves because we talk about the pitching being stratified a little more across all the different levels. I think some of those arms are higher upside than the White Sox arms. But I, I don't think, you know, when you have the Braves fans saying, oh, it's not even close. There's no one in our league. I don't think that's correct. And the White Sox fans saying, are you crazy? There's no way that's also not the, correct. The, the interesting, I think, is a misconception with the Braves is, is that when we came into the year, the question was, are they going to develop bats? And the funny thing about it is Dansby Swanson so far has not developed. And, and that's a hit. That being said, the development of Acuna to me, right. is the key thing for the Braves to have a guy make not just one leap. I mean, he's leapt two, three levels this year where having that, giving them another potential cornerstone bat to go with Freddie Freeman and to go with nice complimentary pieces like, I mean, Ender Enciarte, he's, he's one of the most underrated players right. in baseball. He, he is an excellent player. He's not a, I would not say he's a franchise cornerstone, but... If he is your third, fourth best position player, you're doing really well. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Swanson right. and Ozzy Albies, right. who's now in the major leagues as well. Right, so. and so I, th I think you do have to give the Braves a little bit of that edge, especially when we talk about the number of guys that are in top 25 that are, you know, Acuna's in AAA, Albies AAA to the majors. The White Sox are still counting on a few guys who are further away with Eloy still being in, in high A, even though we all agree he's going to be really, really good. Right. I think that is where you give a little bit of an edge to the Braves. But it's a really good debate. It's a close debate. And I think, you know, depending on who graduates here at the end of the year, it'll be kind of fun to see once we get into the offseason and, and what more moves right. are made. I'll also interrupt that the White Sox have the best pitching prospect of any of these organizations. It's Kopech. Mm -hmm. Michael Kopech. Taking is a, the best. He's taking and, a step forward like Acuna did. And if he, uh, you know, if he winds up being a number one starter, like if he winds up being Syndergaard 2.0, which it's more likely now than it was, I think, at the start of the year, that's more value than I don't think the Braves have a future number one in their farm system. Maybe Ian Anderson could be that. Maybe Kyle Wright could be that. I don't see Soroka or Aller there. I know we have no. them ranked higher. Um, that's more for, for, you know, that's more, for more, more polished. Maybe Luis Gohara. Maybe yeah. even Luis Gohara could be because he's very rare. Maybe he's the Brazilian CC Sabathia. I don't think so, but he, you know, he's along those lines physically. Um, David Wells for, body comp. That's but, the good. That's the good one. But for me, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, are you talking about me or Luis Gohara? Gohara. Uh, I, I think I have gout right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but for me, I don't think you, I think that Kopech. It's pitcher, so I would rather have my jump forward guy. 
be a middle of the diamond guy like Ronald Acuna in center field, uh, you know, five tool player. But if you're taking one of these pitchers, you're taking Michael Kopech. I don't think it's really that close. Oh no, I think Kopech. If you look, even since when since the Futures game, what Kopech has done as far as cleaning up his delivery, more direct to the plate, and he he talked about kind of you know credit to the uh, the Birmingham Barons radio crew who interviewed him after a game, and he talked about how he's more direct and it seemed like it clicked. And when you look at post click, and again. Pitchers, it can click and it can unclick. I mean, you, it's it's a button. It has an on and an off. But when you look at what he's done, I'll look this up while you guys talk. To Then I'll come back to the stat. It is pretty remarkable just how the walk rates come down. Kyle, the uh, first question we have is from Matt Hickman, uh, who's been a steady watcher here of our Facebook Lives. Matt says, is there a way to grade which farm system is best at developing their prospects? I don't know that necessarily grading it, but I know that there are certain organizations that we do give uh, more benefit of the doubt to than others. The Braves developing pitchers, I think right now with their current emphasis on pitching, the volume they have, they even called up Max Fried the other day, which was kind of a shock considering yeah. what a poor year he's had. I do think we give the Braves a little extra credit on developing pitchers. I know there was a run there where we definitely gave the Cardinals the benefit of the doubt when it came to developing hitters. I'd say uh, anything. <laughs> especially college hitters, though, but yeah. especially college hitters. But it wasn't, for a while there, it was anything. I know we give the Giants... A little extra credit for position players because they had this run of guys who were light on. Whether it was, uh, I think we got into Brandon Belt, but we were light on Brandon Crawford, Joe Panic. Um, you know, we didn't go. Over, and then Matt Duffy, you know, had this great year out of nowhere. We didn't. It still didn't make us jump on Kelby Tomlinson, who is like no pockets uh, body. We, we were not on. Uh, although we did have a number three in the Jayhawk League one yeah, year. Those are all big ones. You know, one, one, one group, you know, th- all those you mentioned are, are perfect. Raise pitchers for me. The Tampa Bay Rays yes. have a great track record of developing pitchers. Very Letting patient. them become who they are. I mean, Jacob Faria, who we highlighted three up, three down today, it's a 2011 draft. It's now 2017. They took their time with him, made sure he made all little adjustments, had a breakthrough with him last year. And now he's one of the best pitchers on a rotation, in a great rotation, competing for a wild card spot right. as a rookie. I mean, obviously this is the year of you know Aaron Judge and Trey Mancini has been completely overshadowed. But in a non-crazy year like I mean, Jacob Free has been one of the best rookies in baseball. Maybe, may, I mean, you could, yeah. rookie pitchers. I mean, well, the extra pitchers. Pro- pro- probably the, the not, Judge guy is uh, right, no, right, right. No, he's not Aaron. But I mean, sure. This is a guy who's been great. We, you know, even though Blake Snell hasn't worked out as planned, he still, has gotten better this year. He's gotten half. better. You still, you still see the talent. And then there's just a long track record. Whether you start from Archer and Cobb and Oda Rizzi, even even Helixson, back to David Price, even. So I think for me, that's a group. When I see a Tampa Bay Rays pitcher who's been kind of going step by step by step. I'm generally going to give that guy the benefit of the doubt over some other organizations that might have a guy, hey, he shot three levels. That's a good example. But So to me, the Rays pitchers are, are a big group for me. So here's the Kopech stat. Last four starts, 30, uh, th- sorry, 28 innings, last four starts, three walks, 39 Ks. Um, the sub one, sub one walks per nine. That's almost Michelle Baez-like. But the, the, <laughs> And the thing about it is, is that before that, he had not had a game all year where he walked less than two in any game. In three of his last four games, twice he's walked no one, once he's walked one, once he's walked two. And every one of those is, that's eight innings, six innings, seven innings, seven innings. So, again, it's a month. It doesn't mean that right. Michael Kopech 
has completely eradicated any control problem he's ever going to have in the future. But it is a very strong sign that a guy who has, I'd say without question, the best pure stuff mm -hmm. of any... Walker Bueller is the only guy who can give a run for it. But the best pure stuff of any starter in the, uh, in the upper minors especially. Yeah, him and Walker Bueller are the two guys that we rate Bueller ahead. Mm -hmm. um, we have Mitch Keller as the top pitching prospect. And I think he's probably had a step down in terms of stuff. More consistent command. I think a little bit better easy. body control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why he, I don't know if he does it easier than Bueller does, but he does do it easier than Kopech does. That might be the, the separator. But those three guys, along with injured Alex Reyes, those are the top pitching prospects in the minor leagues right now. No, I agree with that. And I think with Michael Kopech, it was interesting. I remember earlier in the year doing some of our chats, and people kept coming to us like, Michael Kopech, you mean the guy who can't throw a strike? And the response was always, he's, new, he's newly 21 this year. And it's really, really important to remember pitchers, and, and you hit on this a little bit, can change very, very, very quickly. People underestimate how much a small tweak can make. Right. A guy moving from the side of the rubber to the middle of the rubber, completely changing the angle of the ball coming out of his hand, where hitters are picking it up. Small adjustment makes a world of difference for guys. Now you're talking about a slight tweak in you know his weight transfer on his kick. You're talking about a guy just a little more online to the plate. Hey, let's lower the arm slot. Not even you know, over the top to three quarters. Let's just knock it down a tick. The amount of difference it can make is enormous. And or we're just picking up a new pitch. I mean, there's all kind of things. So it's, hard, so it's much harder to predict pitchers than it is. Hitting. So anytime you have a 20, 21 year old with really, really electric stuff in the upper minors, just saying, oh, he, he, you know, he walks too many guys. That's more fixable than you might think. Now, some of it you have to take into account a guy's track record, but. I, I wouldn't completely say, oh, this guy, he walks too many guys, he's going to be a reliever. Give pitchers time. A lot can change pretty quickly. The White Sox, so. The White Sox, getting back to the question and wrapping up, the White Sox haven't been an organization that's generally thought of as for, noted for its patience yeah. or lauded for moving guys slowly. I actually give them credit, the fact that Kopech, with this hot streak, hasn't been rushed to the major leagues right now. He's still being allowed to develop they, in the minor they leagues. They gave Mankata an extra, you know, they, they, did. they, they have they, tried to pump the brakes They came bit. into the season and said, we are going to be slower about how we move. They have a new farm director. I mean, that may be part of it. But yeah, they said, gets. we are going to be slower about this. And you look at what's happened. They have, you know, the guys that they've moved, Alec Hansen moved, but Alec Hansen moved after, you know, he had had a chance to really consolidate some of the gains he'd made. Yohan Mankata... They didn't say, hey, we're going to put him in the big leagues right away. They said, no, we're going to send him. After he's already tasted the big leagues last year, we're going to send him back and get him a lot of at-bats at AAA. I bet Kenny Williams was pounding on Rick Hahn's door every day saying, are we calling him Moncada today? Are we calling him Moncada today? Well, All the first and, half and, of the and year. And give the White Sox credit when I did this story before the year about their process and how it had changed. They've done exactly what they said they were going to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of organizations pay lip service to things. Oh, we want to let a guy develop. We don't want to rush him. And then before you know it, oh, 10 games in AAA, yeah, you're good. That's so, what I'm saying. That's not, that, is, that was not their right. M.O. under Kenny. Right, and, and, has and, been and so give them credit. They made a conscious effort to change and have followed through on it. They haven't just dropped it. And I, I give the White Sox, you know, top to bottom, a lot of credit for what they've done. We'll wrap up with the White Sox question. Trey Honeycutt asks, any chance we see Eloy Jimenez bumped up by the end of the season? He's up to a very hot start with the Winston-Salem Dash, uh, the poorly named Dash. J.J., what's a... What's your take on that? Do you, do you see Yohei Jimenez finishing the year in double-A that let him have a full Carolina League season? I, the, the thing to me is, is that I never have a problem with the uh, the late season 
you end your final week or so. This is something I grew up with the Braves doing a long time and, ago. And this is the week of the year where, like, if you want to get a guy in the fall league and not have to take exceptions for non-double-A guys, you used to see, and you still do see, a lot of guys promoted this first week of August to double-A to get them enough double-A time. I mean, you could get around it with the fall league. You see younger yeah, yeah. players going yeah. there, but... Those, those, those rules seem to be written in kind of an invisible ink. But this is the week that you'd see it, though, historically. Right. And, and then, you, you, but the thing that I will note, it's a minor part of that, is I'm looking, I'm just checking to make sure I thought, yeah, Birmingham's in the, you know, is basically in the basement uh, in the, uh, I mean, again, let's be honest, White Sox teams have not uh, exactly had a whole, and so are the Dash. So the White Sox, the, the crazy thing about this is, we talk about the White Sox, this is, again, the second best farm system in baseball. And when it comes to winning percentage, they are in the basement. It's brutal. Well, some of that they haven't had a lot. Of, a lot of these guys that they just brought in, they've been there for a couple weeks. Yeah, but but still, they had that, that Charlotte team's been terrible, and that right. Charlotte team has had guys all year. And that's true. I Charlotte think... team's been terrible. Canapolis has been the only team that's had some success. Now again, but this Winston Salem team is is not winning, and you look at it prospect wise. Hard to be much again. Prospects don't always win. They're usually younger than but, the league. But it is, I think, notable that some of these organizations that do have a lot of talent in their farm system, Houston, the Yankees, these organizations, and the Giants have been productive over the years. I think they kind of crashed this year. But those teams have won in the minors and developed. The Cardinals did that to an extent as well. Uh, the White Sox that has not been their mo. I, again, I do think that's going. They're starting to try to change that. But Eloy certainly ready for Double A. Two ninety nine. 374, 551 slash line with 13 homers and 262 plate appearances. It's a pretty good year. I mean, he's a great player. I think it's one of those things where I, I get the lights question on Twitter. Hey, is this guy going to come up to high A or whatnot or double A? You know, at this point, this late in the season, you're right. You take the fall league stuff into account, but there's almost, is it really going to make that huge of a developmental difference with, especially for pitchers? Oh, well, we're going to have two starts in high A. Signs when they're in low A. It's, right. That's not going to be, I think you'll see it sometimes as postseason reinforcements. I have seen that particularly at the A-ball levels. Oh, the Cali guys, we, we made you want to get You want to get them postseason experience. There's right. never a bad thing with that. Right. The only other thing I'd say with it is, is I do think there is something, especially with a hitter, something not bad about just a little taste. Mm -hmm. Like if you said to Eloy, even for the final week of the season, we're going to give you 25 at-bats at double-A just so as you go to the off-season, you know this is what you're going to see next year. Again, it's... It's not like it makes a massive difference, but I have had guys tell me before, it does make a slight difference that next year from the standpoint of I'm going somewhere that I'm, I'm, you already know where I am. You know, I already know the levels. I, I come in with a little bit of comfort level next year. It's a minor thing, but it's something that it, I do see a logic to it. Yeah, I don't think it hurts. Well, good discussion, good questions again from our readers today. Check in with us We're here every Tuesday at facebook.com slash mag. Tweet at us. We're all on Twitter for Kyle Glazer and J.J. Cooper. I'm John Manuel. Thank you for tuning in today. Our podcast and Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. So for these guys, I'm this guy. We'll see you next week at BaseballAmerica.com. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 